Good morning. It's uh, good to see you all here, and uh, welcome if you're joining us online. I don't know if sometimes the question is going through your head is, well, actually, really, in the world that we're living in, how powerful is our God? What difference can he make? Well, I was reading this morning about a man from Scotland... Um, And this man from Scotland went to an island where the people were fighting each other, killing each other, and eating each other. He went on his own, well actually went with his wife who died shortly after he arrived, just with the message of Jesus. They tried to kill him lots of times. But by the time he'd finished his time on the island, well, actually, it was the island next door because he got driven off the first island. That whole island had been completely changed so that people weren't killing each other, weren't eating each other, a new peace with Jesus. That's how powerful the God we come to worship is. And we've heard as a church recently, how God's changed people's lives. And those of you who here were last Sunday morning heard about the opportunity for us to be involved in the holiday Bible weekend so that more people will hear about Jesus and have their lives changed. So it's a great situation we're in, a great opportunity we have, and a great job, God, we have to worship. And our first song reminds us that whoever we are, we can only come to God because there's forgiveness. There's a word in it called grace, which means God's goodness to us that we don't deserve. So when the music starts, let's stand and sing. Only by grace can we enter.
So we're carrying on in our series, looking at the statements that Jesus made about himself. And today we're looking at, I am the door. And our Bible reading is in John chapter 10. And we're going to read the first 18 verses. So God comes to earth. And what good does God say to us? Because these are the words of God. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, the man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And we'll go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know mine own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. So John will be speaking to us from that later. But now we're going to sing um, a version of a song that predated Jesus, but talks so well about our Good Shepherd. So when the music starts, let's stand and sing. James has got the children's talk, so if you'd like to come up front.
Well, good morning. It's lovely to see you all. Now, we're going to start with just a couple of questions. And they get, they're really easy, the first couple, but there's probably one that might catch you out. So, can anyone tell me who that is? Who's that? Who's that? Who? Yeah, go on then. That is Spider-Man, and Spider-Man is a superhero. He swings through the city, he saves people in danger, and things like that. He stops bad things happening. He's a pretty cool superhero. You know, he's got lots of superpowers. He can climb walls, and he can tell when something bad's going to happen. And I know for a fact he is one of the biggest and most famous superheroes ever to grace the planet, okay? Who's this one? Who's that? Go on then. Batman. Now, Batman, he's a superhero, but Batman doesn't have superpowers. He's just a man. He's a multi-billionaire. He has lots of gadgets, lots of money. But again, he saves people when they're in trouble. He helps people when they're in danger. And again, he's a pretty cool superhero, isn't he? I mean, he was one of my favourite superheroes, I have to admit. I do like a bit of Batman, okay? But again, superhero. Who's this one? This one's a bit trickier. Do we know who that is? Anyone? Not quite. Well, Leah Williamson. Now, Leah Williamson was the team captain of the Lionesses when they brought the cup home, okay? Something that hasn't been done for many, 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 many years, okay? Now, people up and down the country, boys and girls, adults alike, all hailed her as a hero. She brought football home, okay? Not a bad achievement. I'm pretty sure I could have done better given a chance, but... She did well, okay? She did really well. Now, this next one's really tricky. I'm not expecting any of you to get this, but this next person has always been a great hero of mine, okay? Does anyone know who that is? If you know, I'll be gobsmacked. Absolutely gobsmacked. Any adults know who that is? Anyone? Well done. That is Quentin Tarantino, my favourite movie maker of all time. Quentin Tarantino, when I was about 1920... I was working a chain of video shops, he was working a chain of video shops, and he wrote a script to a movie, that movie got made, and bang, he becomes an overnight sensation, and I remember hearing about this, and I was thinking, wow, what a hero, I want to be like that, I work in a video shop, I can write a script to a movie, I want to be Quentin Tarantino, or QT, as he's known to his friends like me, okay? But he's always been a hero of mine. That guy could make a film with nothing but a black screen, and I'd go, best film ever made. That man's brilliant, genius, right? But all these people are heroes in different degrees. But they're not real heroes, are they? Let's look at it realistically. Spider-Man, he's a comic book character. What can Spider-Man actually do for you? Well, he can't really do anything apart from entertain. Batman, yeah, he's pretty cool. Comic book character, saves people, love it, love the idea, but what can he do for you? He can just entertain you in a comic or a film. Leo Williamson, hell is a hero, okay? But let's be really truthful with each other. What can Leo Williamson do for you, apart from entertain you when she's on the pitch for 90 minutes? Not a great deal. She can inspire, but what can she really do? Not a lot. And good old QT, what can he do? Well, he makes amazing movies in my eyes. And he entertains me for a couple of hours when I watch them. What can he really do? Can he, he can't help me in any way. But there is a real hero I'm going to tell you about. To me, if someone said to me right now, who is your hero? This is my hero. Any guesses? First up, Jesus. Jesus is my hero. 
I'll tell you why Jesus is my hero above all of those other people. Unlike Batman, Superman, Quentin, and all the others, Jesus can save you. If you're in trouble, or you're worried, or you're scared, Batman's not going to swoop down through the skylight and go, hey, don't worry, I'm here, is he? But when you're in times of trouble, and you're in times of worry, or you're scared, if you turn to Jesus, he can, in fact, help you. We're all sinners. Can Leah Williamson kick a ball in a goal and go, you're forgiven of your sin? No, she can't. Jesus can. If we turn to Jesus, he can take away all our sin. Can Quentin Tarantino phone me up on the phone and go, hey, James, um, I'm going to save you. I'm going to save you and you are going to, you are going to be in glory. And I'll go, no, no, QT, you can't do that. But if we turn to Jesus and devote our lives to Jesus and turn to Jesus, when we die, we can be in glory with him forever, in everlasting life, with no pain, no suffering, no hurt. Now that, to me, is a real hero. When Jesus came down, he did save people, unlike the comic book characters. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He helped so many people in so many ways. But those other guys can only do it in a book. And they can only do it on a film. But in reality, Jesus can do it for every single one of us. Every one of us. If we turn to him, we love him, and we devote our lives to him. So I'm not saying it's bad to like Spider-Man. It's pretty cool. I'm not saying it's bad to like Batman. He is really cool. And I'm not saying it's bad to not love football and inspire to be a footballer or a film director. What I am saying is all these things are pretty insignificant when there is a hero we can turn to on a daily basis. He can brush those worries aside. He can help you stay out of danger. He can keep you on the right path so you don't get into trouble or get into bad ways. And by devoting our lives to him, talking to him, we can then go and be with him forever. Now, to me, does that sound like the best hero of all? Hands up if you agree. Not many adults have got their hands up, have they? They've let me down this morning. Thank you. But I definitely think he is the greatest hero of all time. And if someone did come up to me right now and said, James, who's your hero? That is my hero. So if you only take one thing away from this today, I want you to look at who the real hero is, who can really save every single one of you, who can help every single one of you stay out of danger, who can help every single one of you stay on the right path and live better lives, and who will look after you from now till the day you die, but then will look after you forever afterwards. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks, James. Let's pray. Oh, Lord our God, as we come to you, we remember what Jesus was like on earth. We thank you that he opened the eyes of the blind. We thank you that he he stilled the storm. He stops the tempest. We thank you that he raised people from death to life. 
Oh Lord, you were so good to us in sending your Son. And Lord, we ask that you will give us a right attitude to you. Oh Lord, we pray that our hearts, our lives, our minds will will go out to you. We'll want to follow you. We'll want to know you. We'll want to hear you. Oh Lord, we pray that you will rescue us from the dark side. Oh Lord, you know that when your son was here on earth, not everyone followed. Not everyone loved. But many rejected. Many ignored. And some were so angry, so offended by the goodness of God that they crucified your dear son. Oh Lord, I pray that you will be in the business of rescuing us, all of us, from that that dark path and knowing that we are safe with you. Oh Lord, we do thank you for the YP weekend away. Oh Lord, we thank you that there are so many of them. We pray that they'll have a really good time together. And we ask for for that group of young people that you will bless them with a real sense of your greatness. And Lord, that you will convince them that following you should be the biggest priority in their lives. Oh Lord, we pray that that will be something not just for their heads, but for their hearts. And we ask that you will make this generation a generation that makes a difference in this world for you. That you use their gifts and their talents. And they, 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 they want, oh Lord, to give them a heart to want above all to be pleasing to you. And Lord, we pray that for ourselves too. And we ask that we will be a good example of passion, of enthusiasm, of devotion to you as the children and young people look at those of us who are older. Oh Lord, we, we know that you are dependable. But you know how so often we try and go our own way. So often we're like sheep wandering off, thinking we know best, thinking we have the solutions Oh, forgive us and turn us back to you. And when we're frightened because we know we cannot cope with what we're facing, oh Lord, help us not to go into our own dark place, but to look to you. Because you do say, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Oh Lord, we we thank you that you are able to be with us. That you love us, that you're good and that you're in control. And Lord, we pray for Jackie and the girls as they remember Amber May. Oh Lord, give them your peace, we pray. Help them to remember the kindness and love as well as the grief and pain. But most of all, give them that confidence that you are good and that you are in control. Oh Lord, you, you know every one of us. You know what 
what we're facing. You know what we will face that we're not expecting in this next week. Oh Lord, we pray that you'll help us to cast our care on you because you care for us. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to live for you. Oh Lord, we pray that you will help us not to waste our lives, but that if we know you, every day will be spent thinking about what you would want us to do, and not just thinking about it, but doing it. Looking forward to the treasure that you store up in heaven for those who follow you. Looking forward to that day when you say well done, even if no one else is. Oh Lord, we pray that as we hear your voice coming from your word, that you will help John to speak to us, help him to explain it clearly, and exactly what you want us to hear. Oh Lord, do give us ears to hear your voice, we pray. And Lord, we thank you that once again we can come and ask you to forgive the wrong things we've done because of Jesus. Oh Lord, we pray that you will help us to be open with you and to know the joy of being forgiven. Amen. So we're going to sing two songs now. Um, The first celebrates how good the words that Jesus gives us. And the second reminds us of how we can come back to God. Then after that, John will be preaching to us.
So we've been looking through these grand claims of Jesus, all in the Gospel of John, all of which begin with the phrase, I am. And we've seen some of the magnificence of these words. Uh, This morning is the next to last in our series. Uh, Next week, Mark is going to speak God willing and I am the resurrection and the life. Another colossal statement which will lead us nicely up towards Easter. But this morning, uh, we are one on one in chapter 10 of the Gospel of John and verse 9. Here, Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. I am the door or sometimes translated, I am the gate. It's also in verse 7. I know some of you have been reading a Lent series entitled Truly, Truly from the Gospel of John. Well, this is one of the phrases in the Gospel of John that starts truly, truly, which means most definitely, hear this, take this to heart, be sure of this, this needs to be heard. And in verse 7, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. They weren't understanding what Jesus was saying. We can see that from verse 6. They did not understand what he was saying. So he puts it another way. It was important for them to understand this. It is important for us to understand this. Uh, The phrase this morning, the verse this morning is connected, isn't it, to some of the other ones we've done. Roll through your mind if you've managed to be here some of the other weeks. What is it connected to? Well, at the start of the series, Mark spoke on verse 11 from this chapter. So there's obviously not far away and connected when he spoke from the words in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. There's not just a single picture and single imagery going on in this chapter. If you try to put it all together into one coherent picture, you'll you'll lose a sense of what's happening. There's slightly different images being used here. And Jesus is the good shepherd and he also is the door. And while sometimes the shepherd did come in the doorway, that doesn't solve totally pulling it all together. There are different images going on here, and we're especially focusing on those in verses 7 to 10, where Jesus says, I am the door. But so much of the picture is connected with the wonderful truths elsewhere in the chapter relating to the shepherd. It's also connected with another one which I think would be the triple peak of a couple of weeks ago when we looked at I am the way, the truth and the life. I am the way has connections with what we're looking at this morning. But although there's connections with those two, there are fresh things in this and I wanted to speak specifically this morning from this saying. So, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find 
pasture. <coughs> I wonder what, what words come to mind as you think of this picture and of this verse. There's a sort of word association going on in your mind. If I gave out slips of paper and said, write down four words that sort of summarise what's happening here. What, what four things might you put down on the slip of paper? When Jesus says, I am the door, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Well, as I thought about it through this week, there were, there were four words which I felt sort of summarised quite a lot of this teaching. And we're going to go through them this morning to see some things, the wonder and the relevance of what Jesus says. And the first is access. Access. A door gives access, doesn't it? It's a way in, it's an entrance. Uh, Can you think of a building without a door? Well, it's a bit of a job, isn't it, to try and think of a building without a door? You think of most of the buildings that you're familiar with or use, and there's a a door, isn't it? You go to college or school, and there's an entrance in. You go to your house, or you go to work, or you go to Morrison's, or you go to the hospital, or you go to the doctor's surgery. The places we go to have got doors. There's a way in. It gives access. In the, in the Middle East, the sheep tended to be kept in a, an area or a, a fold. It was surrounded normally by stone walls. And they had an entrance, a way in. Uh, sometimes a, a gatekeeper a hired person, a, a, a shepherd would stand in the doorway and it was the way into the fold. A sheep aren't like deer, they can't sort of hurdle over the side of the wall, they have to come in through the doorway. It is the doorway for the sheep into the fold. The door gives access, it is the gate, it is the opening. And the fold here is a, a picture of God's flock, if you like. Oh, that's why Forest Fold is called Forest Fold. It's an odd name, isn't it? Perhaps, uh, I don't know if you thought about it, Forest Fold. Why was it called Forest Fold? I don't know any other church on the planet called Forest Fold. But it was seen as a group of people gathering together for the worship of God. Sheep, if you like, coming together on the edge of Ashdown Forest, so Forest Fold. And here is a picture of God's flock, God's people, those who belong to God, those in relationship with God, those who know him. And they're being collected and they're coming together and they come through the door, which is Jesus. And it is through him that they have access Um, The the leaders that Jesus was speaking to saw themselves a bit as the gatekeepers. Um, They were the people who thought they decided who was in and who was out. And this follows on from what happened in chapter 9, and they'd just thrown this blind man out of their community. But Jesus says that he is the way into God's community. 
I am the door. I remember when I was uh, working in my first job at a county hall in Maidstone. It's a nice building, an impressive building. And when I first joined, you could go in in different ways. And uh, that was quite handy for us staff who worked a long way from the sort of main door. We could nip out at lunchtime out of one of the sort of fire exit doors. But then security needed to be enhanced and uh, they made sure that people could only come in one way. Uh, Because fishy characters want to go in through the side doors and collect things and run off with things. And staff who were trying to knock off five or ten minutes off their lunchtime. But it was changed and everyone had to go in through the main door. One door, one way in. And the the new county hall really is a picture of Christ. One way. Jesus says, I am the door. It is just through Jesus There's no bypassing Jesus. There's no sidestepping Jesus. There is one way to this place of belonging, of relationship with God, of access to God, and it is through Jesus. There's no do-it-yourself route. It's not by human endeavour, as we heard in our first song. First song is connected. We sang it in the week because we got some people joining as members and we gave them a, a song choice and that was the one they sang. And, and as we sang it on Thursday uh, when uh, they were giving their testimonies, I thought to myself, yeah, that's pretty good for Sunday actually. Only by grace shall we enter. It is through God's grace. It is through the blood of the Lamb. I don't know if you understood that when we were singing that. The blood of the Lamb. That is through the sacrifice of Jesus, the good shepherd who's laid down his life for the sheep, the one who has died instead of sinners. It is only through him. He is the door. He gives access, but there is no other route. Romans 5 and verse 2 talks about through Jesus. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we're there in God's grace and we're rejoicing and we have hope. And who is it through? It is through Jesus and through trusting in him. Sometimes we struggle to find a way in, don't we? I've done some leafleting over the the years for the church when we uh, used to do widespread leaflets and also calendaring as well, which we still do. And uh, sometimes I would uh, be doing over the Warren, you know, the Warren area of Crowborough. <laughs> and some of them are big houses, sprawling houses, and it was a job to find the way in. It was especially difficult to find the letterbox. Sometimes I'd go right round the gravel drives of these big buildings, feeling somewhat embarrassed that I was behind the house, but I still couldn't find the door in or the letterbox to put my leaflet in. And maybe you feel like that a bit about sort of spiritual things. And God, you think, well, I want to know God. I want to know forgiveness. I seem to be wandering. I'm, I'm on the gravel path looking around. I'm trying to find a way in. And you come this morning and you find out that Jesus says, I am the door. If you've been going down dead ends, if you've been struggling to find, if you've been exploring to no avail, then here this morning you have access through who? Through Jesus who says, I am the door. 
This has already been touched on at the beginning of the Gospel of John. So one of the first encounters that there is in the beginning of the Gospel of John with Jesus is with Nathanael. And he believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And as Jesus is speaking to him, Jesus says this, a remarkable statement again, again starting with a truly, truly. He says to Nathaniel, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So, angels going up and down towards God on the Son of Man. It seems quite a puzzling phrase. Unless, of course, you know the key, which is in Genesis, which is to do with Jacob, when Jacob had a, a special vision as God appeared to him by night and he had a dream and we read in Jacob in, in Genesis 28 and verse 17 that he comes to realising he's seen this vision and he says, how, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. You realise that speaking to Nathaniel, Jesus is saying, really, the Son of Man, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the gate, I'm the access route. If you want to get to heaven, it is through me. So do you want a relationship with God? Do you want to be part of God's people? Do you want to have that sense of belonging? Do you want to be heading to heaven? Then you must enter through Jesus. It is through him you have access. And what a relief it is to be through. If you're going to a special event, I don't know, it might be a performance or a concert or a sporting fixture, and you feel quite stressed beforehand, don't you? You've got all your transport that you're trying, and you're going to get a parking place, okay? Are the tubes going to be working? You're, you're stressed as to whether you'll get there. You're extra stressed as well because the tickets now are, are printed off and scanned, or they're on your phone and you're going to have to show it on the way in you think well, I hope my phone doesn't cut out or run out of battery and, and, and then eventually you get to the venue and you, you show your ticket or your, your phone and you're through and you're the other side and you just feel last made it here and what a great relief it is to have relationship with God to be right with God to belong to God's people to have all the prospects that that involves through being through the door of Jesus. And that's what happens when we listen to his voice, when he says repent, when he says believe, when he says come. Well, I pray that if you haven't come through that door, you might come through the door of Christ and find access. Another thing it came to my mind as I thought it through was the theme of security. Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Saved. They will be saved. Does the word saved mean much to you? Saved. Thursday, there's quite a few of us here, we were praying 
especially for people we know and care about, praying for them to be saved. Saved. You want to be saved? To be safe is to be secure. Um, Sheep, they're vulnerable creatures, aren't they? They're hapless creatures. They're defenceless creatures. What, What can a sheep do? Uh, you may go through a field with a, a bull in or lively cows in and you feel a bit intimidated and a bit frightened. But do you get terrified when you go through a field of sheep? You can't do anything. They're weak, vulnerable, helpless. And they need to be kept safe because they're defenceless from the threats around them. Later on in the chapter, there's wolves. There were wolves about, and a sheep can do nothing against a wolf. They need to be safe. It needs to be in a safe place. They need to be kept safe from themselves because they're prone to get lost. They've got no inner sort of sat-nav. They, they just go wandering off, and they've got no returning instinct. So they're a danger to themselves. So they need to be in somewhere which is going to contain them and keep them safe. And in the shepherd's fold, with the walls surrounding it, they're safe, they're secure. That's a picture. And we need to be safe, saved. We need to be saved from an eternity without God. We need to be saved from the guilt of our sin. We need to be saved from the lostness and aimlessness of this life. And when we go through the door, which is Christ, we're saved. We're safe. We're secure. This week I've been reading the little known prophet of Joel. One part of it that's perhaps better known than some. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus came to the earth to rescue and save lost people. There was a a little man who was a selfish, greedy cheat and he was called Zacchaeus. And Jesus said, At the end of the little episode when this man changed, that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. We were reminded in the children's talk that Jesus is the person who can save. There is security through coming through the door of Christ, trusting in him, repenting, turning to him. Maybe you're interested in what we call financial security. At the end of your working life, you'd like to be secure. So you give a bit of thought to pensions and savings and plans, and there's good sense in that. It's good if you can avoid being too dependent later in life, if you can provide for your spouse. That's not a bad thing. And maybe you feel reasonably settled and maybe you've seen your financial advisor this year and it's just been a good session at the end. You think, well, yes, okay. Things should be okay as I get older. Financial security. 
Well, what about security beyond? End of life security. Eternal security. You you don't know if you're going to make pensionable age. It's not 62 like it is in France at the minute. But you don't know if you're going to make your 66 or whatever. And even if you do, the years will pass quickly. Have you got a security that goes beyond that? Are you secure in God's forgiving love? Has the good shepherd died for you so that he's paid the price for your guilt? Are you secure? Well, here's how to be secure. Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So another word that came to my mind, which I think is reflected here, and that is the word abundance or plenty or provision. So as we follow through this saying of Jesus, it's more than just security. It is security, but it's more. Verse 9 reads on, I am the door, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. It's added to, halfway through verse 10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Well, perhaps you think, maybe, do you, that being a Christian is safe, but it's plain and it's boring and it's flat. A bit like the person who sort of stays in all the time to avoid any fun or danger. Well, here there is security, and that's necessary in the, in the fold, especially at night when you can't see things. But here in John 10, we, we don't have a picture of miserable, sort of flat, limited confinement. The picture opens up and it talks of, of pasture. Perhaps there's pasture in the pen, but certainly out. And, and there's a shepherd who leads them out. So although it's the door in, the picture's sort of changing a bit, the door in, a part of the fold, but by daytime they're led out. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pastures. And and where do they go during the day? Well, we know the bad shepherds, the thieves and the robbers looking to damage them. Uh, we can think of uh, some sort of careless shepherds who might sort of take them out the door to the same patch of grass and there's nothing much there, you know, there's just a few sprinkles of grass and they, they go home pretty hungry. But no, no, the picture here is of them going out and they'll be taken somewhere where there's lush grass because the shepherd cares for them and wants them to go and to be taken so they go to a place where there's plenty and they come back with a full tummy at the end of the day because they're well fed, there's an abundance There's plenty for them. In the Old Testament, you have the picture of God as the shepherd. And you know it because it says, The Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. There's plenty. The bad leaders in the Old Testament let the people of God down 
But in Ezekiel 34, he talks about coming and being the shepherd himself. It points forward to the coming of Jesus. And it says this in verse 14, I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. And when you become a believer, you have plenty. You have an abundance. That doesn't mean your bank balance will suddenly zoom upwards. It doesn't mean that cash will start fluttering down from the sky to you and all land in your garden. We're not talking about material prosperity. But when you become a believer, you have abundance, you have riches, more valuable than the cash dropping out of the sky. Well, what do you have? You're accepted by God. You're included in his family. You have peace with God. You know that you are right with God through a righteousness given to you by Jesus. You know God. You have relationship with the maker of the universe. You have a well-grounded peace. You know what love is. You have the Holy Spirit at working in your heart and teaching you from his word. You love his word. You have a hope that no one can take away from you. Your plate is piled up with goodies when you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour. Verse 10 is a great verse, isn't it? Second half of it, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus hasn't come to shrink life but to restore life, to enlarge life. And those who go through this door experience that. That doesn't mean life is easy. There'll be hardship, there'll be difficulties. Psalm 23 points to that. There's a valley of the shadow of death, there are enemies around. But there is an abundance known as we go through life because we know God. I think door conveys this, don't you? Abundance. This picture here conveys this. If you come to Christ, you'll know an, a, a deeper, inner, lasting abundance. So Jesus is the door to security and to plenty. But there, there's one more word, and I think this is implied in the picture. I don't know if you do, I think it's implied here. Welcome. Welcome. You have the door and you have entering and you have anyone. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Those who hear his voice are welcome. What sort of sheep go through the door? Well, there's probably strong ones and healthy ones and there's probably big ones and small ones and white ones and spotted ones and stumbling ones and fit ones and there's all sorts that go through but they're part of the fold. They're welcomed by the shepherd. They hear the shepherd's voice. They're responsive. They repent. They believe. They trust. They take the man here in 
chapter 9. We've just uh, passed and it's sort of in the background to this whole event. He was blind from birth. He'd been a beggar. Yes, he'd been miraculously healed, but he then had a hard time of it from the authorities who were having a go at him. The Inquisition. And then he's sent packing out of the synagogue. And that doesn't just mean, no, you're not allowed to come to the worship services. The synagogue was the, the sort of community hub, the place of standing. And he's sent out. Off you go. You're not, in, you're not allowed in here anymore. Chapter 9 and verse 34. And they cast him out. And yet he's received by Jesus as a worshipper, as a follower. Jesus welcomes repentant sinners. We're told before those great parables of lostness in Luke 15. It's snarled, really, about this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Not long ago, we looked at John chapter 6, verse 37. Drink this in. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. A good verse for welcomers. Romans 15 and verse 7. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. I don't know if you feel welcome here. I hope you do. And you ought to be welcomed here because we have a a welcoming God. And as people extend a welcome to those who arrive, they're really reflecting the character of God because this is what Jesus is like to us sinners. He welcomed us. The door has been open. We've come in and so we want to be welcoming in our spirit towards others. We had a, a new welcome slide this morning. That's changed nicely. It's fine of timing as far as I was concerned. There's a new welcome slide up. It's one of the points here coming out of this verse. Welcome. Welcome. I think that's conveyed in this picture. And maybe that will encourage you. Welcome. Welcome to Jesus. Come in repentance and faith. Follow him and receive a welcome into his flock. Anyone. It says, if anyone. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pastors. You may have heard of John Bunyan. You've probably heard of his book somewhere along the line, Pilgrim's Progress. He wrote another book. This is its title. Come and welcome to Jesus Christ. Welcome. Well, are you through the door? Not everyone wanted to go through this door. The religious leaders Jesus was talking to, they weren't interested in coming to him, trusting in him, following him. They, 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 they ignored the call. They ignored the security. They ignored the richness and the abundance. Have you come? Have you come to Jesus? You come through him, put your trust in him, turned and followed him. 
It's a little chorus. Maybe you've come across it before. poses a question. One door and only one, and yet its sides are two, inside and outside, which side are you? Let me say it again. One door and only one, and yet its sides are two, inside and outside, which side are you? Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Well, we have the note of invitation in our final song, which we're going to sing together now. Today, your mercy calls us to wash away our sin. However great our trespass, whatever we have been. So drink in the wonderful invitation and you'll see as we sing through the reference to the door as well. Let's stand to sing our last song.
I do sit down because I've got one more thing to do, uh, before, what would I want to do before we have our closing prayer. Uh, many of you know that uh, Malcolm Cassim, uh, after many years, uh, is laying down his responsibilities as a deacon. Uh, he's doing that at the end of March, which means that this is his last Sunday in that role. So I wanted to say a few words to him, and I know you prefer to being at the back, Malcolm, but if I can ask you just to come down to the front, I'm afraid there's no option in that, but you don't have to say anything. Well, you're, you're welcome to grab my mic if you want to, but you don't have to say anything. But please do uh, come up. So it, uh, it may seem uh, a long time since you started being a deacon. In fact, it was last century. It was last millennium. <laughs> because it was uh, 1999 that you became a deacon. And uh, I know that you have served very hard, kindly, lovingly in the church for many years before you were a deacon in lots of different ways. You've served very well and fully and enthusiastically through those 24 years, uh, many of them as the sort of coordinating deacon, uh, bearing extra pressure. And I know it's your intention to carry on serving, even though you're laying down that responsibility. Um, you and Gwen have served so fully in the life of the church. Um, welcome became a point this evening, this morning, before I even sort of saying it in this part. But it, it reflects actually quite a bit of what you and Gwen have done and do here in terms of such a welcoming, friendly influence. And so I know you've served with um, commitment and love and enthusiasm and uh, so many times when I've drawn on that and been supported by that. It says in the Bible, I'll read this for the benefit of others, that we should hold in high esteem deacons who serve well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So you've served your Lord, you've served us, And we are grateful, and uh, I'd like to pass on to you an envelope as an expression of this. It's um, signed, but you can open it later, but it's signed by all the leaders on behalf of everyone here, and in it we've included a gift uh, that we hope uh, you and Gwen will be able to get something or do something, particularly in memory of our love and appreciation for all your time. So, please do take that. I will just... Well, that was a very unpleasant shock when I was sitting in the seat. And then it got even worse when John asked me to come out the front. Um, but really, just to, uh, to acknowledge John's, uh, John's thanks to us, um, it's been a tremendous uh, privilege. It's been quite a responsibility, but really a privilege to serve the church. Um, very much so, because there's so much support f- uh, from you guys. Um, you know, we might sort of take that lead, but, um, you know, so many people in the church uh, do so much. And it's, it's a tremendous privilege uh, to be a member of this church and to be involved with uh, the leadership of it. So things might change a little bit for, for us. Um, uh, we're not so involved with the leadership, but something that won't change will be um, our regard for the church, our love for the church, and uh, our, our wish to see the Spirit working amongst us. Uh, to continue as a church. So, thank you very much indeed. Thank you, John. Thank you. Well, shall we pray together to finish?
tend to welcome and facilitate matters so that the gospel can be announced, Christians can be encouraged, the word of life can be passed on. We thank you that's all that's done by so many here. And this morning we especially want to uh, praise you for uh, Malcolm and Gwen and for the way that through your help they have been such a tremendous asset in the life of this church for so long and been so helpful in so many ways. We praise you for them. We pray that you would bless them and encourage them at this phase of life and as they go forward seeking to serve you. We pray that you'll provide for us what we need as a church in terms of those who work and serve in our different areas as we go forward. So we come in the end in praise of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Saviour of sinners, and pray in his name. Amen.